I learned years ago when I started my first business, you never put owner or president on your business card or your title <laughs> or your email signature because you get bombarded with crap and you get you know, all these salespeople literally bombard you with stuff. So as soon as I change it to VP of sales and marketing, you can actually uh, pretend there's another owner and people go, oh, is he in? Uh, someday I'll tell you the story of, of Todd Johnson, my made up owner that now is actually on the internet as the owner of our company. We completely fabricated him. For different marketing <laughs> That's exactly. awesome. And we, he's, he gets calls three times a week. He gets mail and he never existed because I made him up. On this week's episode of The Selling Podcast, we do something a little bit different. Well, I guess I say that almost every week, but this week is especially different. All right, we're recording. With over 50 years and millions of worldwide traveled miles between the two of us, we have tasted defeat and relished in sweet, sweet victory. Looking for inspirational entertainment, motivation, and practical insights to drive your business? Welcome to The Selling Podcast. We are bringing on somebody to help us out. We are bringing on another podcaster. His podcast is Cast in Your Voice. You can take a look at it at castinyourvoice.com. It's starting the first week of April, and we are excited to have this man with us. Now, with that being stated, just to give a little bit of background, he is the creator of Todd Johnson. He is also the Vice President of Sales and Marketing at Prodatix. It's a data management company. With that, we welcome Matt Bullock. Matt, welcome to The Selling Podcast. Well, thank you very much, Scott. Thank you very much, Mike. Uh, I appreciate that. And again, that Todd Johnson thing, the made-up owner of our company, uh, please delete that because that is a little trade secret. And if any salespeople ever hear about it, it's going to slaughter our company. It was a carefully crafted a persona that I really <laughs> don't want to talk about because so you know, thank you very much. So what's going to be different about today for those listening is that we're going to kind of flip the table. So Mike and Scott for the past year and congratulations, gentlemen, on a first year uh, plus of podcasting. The fact that you make it past two podcasts, I believe, puts you in the top 10 percent of all podcasters. So there's a little congratulations, a little back, right. if you will. And all, nice. all five of our listeners. Thank you. Uh, actually, I looked at some statistics, and in the Middle East and the Far East, you are on the top one million <laughs> podcasts. So, congratulations, <laughs> gentlemen! Not everybody yeah. gets that big that quickly. But we want to do something a little bit different today. And with uh, Mike and Scott's blessing, we're going to kind of flip the table. And myself, as a small business owner in the SMB space in the sales and marketing genre, if you will, going to be interviewing Mike and Scott and talking about almost using me and the, the struggles I'm going through as a salesperson, as a sales manager, how do we achieve sales success? So I'm going to flip the tables, interview those two men who have extensive experience to help me and quite honestly, vicariously help the listeners as well because I guarantee the struggles that I have, everyone else has as well. So that's the plan, if that's okay with you gentlemen. Well, absolutely, let's do it. All that right, so... Work. Here's what I want to talk about first. The biggest struggle, I'm a small business owner. Uh, we got about 10 employees. Uh, we're about to bring on a new salesperson here in about another two or three weeks. And the salesperson has some experience in our field, but not dramatic. So I want to start off with the basic theme of how does a small business with a few salespeople who want to become a medium-sized business, give me one or two things that a small business does to get to medium-sized business of course, through the vehicle of sales. 
Matt, before we answer that question, tell us a little bit about your business and the space that you play in, because I think growing businesses depends really on your space and your customers. So if you could just give us a little bit of background, then give us another shot and I'll answer that question. Great. So basically, my company, ProDatix, is in the data management and IT services space. So we are trying to go after medium-sized companies to get them to allow us to take their data, off-site backup their data. We actually have a data center that they off-site backup, disaster recovery, IT services. Every company in the world needs what we have. However, we've been going for a couple of years now, and obviously not every company has purchased from us. But we want them to go away from or complement what Microsoft does, what Amazon Web Services does, which everyone's heard of. It's very difficult to convince people that, hey, take a chance on us. Even though we have incredible infrastructure, we have all the same certifications the big boys do, we are having a hard time breaking into medium-sized companies to believe that we can provide the same service that the big boys can. When actually we can, we just don't have the name behind us. So it's essentially like me taking, um, going into heart surgery, open heart surgery with somebody who just came out of school versus going into open heart surgery with somebody who has been in practice for over 25 years? Almost. But the fact is we've been in business for several years and we, as I mentioned, have certifications and plenty of experience. We have clients all over the U.S., but again, on a small business scale. And the biggest thing we run into is, yeah, you guys have got everything. You meet all the qualifications. Our technicians we have on staff are Microsoft certified engineers. All the things you need, we've got all the credentials and we've got plenty of clients to say, hey, you're not the first because nobody wants to be the guinea pig. The trouble is breaking into those types of companies when we have the big dogs looming on the background. So the first thing that comes to my mind, and I'm just looking at it objectively because we've never had the chance to meet in person. and I really don't know that much about your company other than what I've done a little bit of research and what I hear from you. And you're asking, how do you get to the medium from the small, move that needle small to medium, right? And you're about to bring on a new sales representative. Here's the challenge that I see that you've got. You're going to have the new sales rep and he's going to churn through some of his existing connections. He'll talk to people he knows, people who know him. And he'll burn through those connections. And that'll take, what do you guess, maybe six months to a year? Yep. Yep. And so after that, then what? And it also depends on what size company he came from. If he came from yeah. a large size company, he mo- he's going to have a lot of connections. He's also going to want to do things the large company way. Where if you have somebody who's coming from a smaller company or even a mid-sized company, they're going to have small and mid-sized connections and they will be able to do things in a small or medium-sized way. So you gentlemen bring up a really interesting point. We were not able because of our size, even though, again, lots of experience. We've been around for several years. We have some some big hitters as far as engineers on our staff. We cannot attract the big time salesperson. We've tried. We offer, mm-hmm. uh, I'll say, a competitive salary. We uh, We guarantee it for six months. We're providing some leads. But because we're still small, we can't provide that infrastructure to bring on and attract somebody from a, and again, everyone's in different business, but a, a Microsoft or a Cisco or some big dog like that, we can't afford or attract somebody because they just aren't interested in us. So there's this big chasm, if you will, between what we're trying to do and what we hope to be doing. Matt, I don't think that's a bad idea. If you can't attract some a huge player from a big company, you need to look at that as a, as a positive. If you were to attract the big person, they're going to expect 
the big company feel. And when I've worked with people who are expecting that big company feel, they're expecting things to move a certain way or go slow, or they don't have to do all the heavy lifting. Whereas if you are small, medium size, and you have a small, medium sized person to be able to do it, they're going to be able to do a lot of the heavy lifting. They're going to be able to create the sales plan. They're going to be able to create some of the, uh, some of the sales structure. Whereas if somebody big came in, they would be expecting all that to be in place. So interesting you bring that up as well, because hiring from a, you know, a large, small or small, medium-sized business for a salesperson, which we did, uh, he has experience selling, but does not bring with him a lot of structure because he also comes from another small business that we've hired him away from. So we're stuck at that low level of how do we get to medium size with our sales force when we don't have the people and the structure in place. And I would love to be able to pay somebody to come from IBM. There you go. Who's been through the IBM sales school, one of the best in the world and come in here and go, Matt, here's how we're going to lay everything out. And you just sit down and I'm going to set it all up for you. It doesn't happen. I need you guys to help me understand how do I get my new guy trained who will someday, if all goes well, be my sales manager. Jumping out of that mentality though, of an IBM coming in to fix it, an IBM guy, I will put it out there and potentially say, and not knowing, but you may or may not have IBM money. So if you don't have IBM money, an IBM guy coming in to implement a sales plan without IBM money, it's not going to be as effective. So once again, I just want to make sure that you understand where you're going with your new sales hire is probably an awesome starting point. That, and I've got a question that I, Matt, I want to ask. Do you want to be IBM? So interesting you'd say that because I often tell people when they say, you know, how big do you want your company to be? What's your, what is your future plan? And this is a sound kind of funny. I would rather own 1% of Microsoft than 100% of Matt's company. And what do I mean by that? I want to position ourselves and our whole goal from the very beginning, even from the very beginning, we had all the swag with our name on it. We all wear logoed shirts. I want to always look bigger than we actually are. So yes, in the space that we're in, I would... We, our focus, our mindset in our small business is to become the next big dog in the data management world, which is a big space to compete in. Okay. So let me roll this back a little bit for the sales representative. How are they going to present that to prospective customers? Hey, we want to be IBM. You need to join us. What is the one thing that you guys do better than IBM? Uh, service. And you may say, well, that's uh, hard to compete or even generic. Yeah. Well, it's a generic term. Sure. So Microsoft, Amazon Web Services, all the big dogs, uh, they, of course, are a massive in their service reach and their support. They have a million people working for them. How do I compete against that? We found that the majority of our new clients are bringing on who are the ones who are smaller, medium sized businesses themselves who have been um, disenfranchised by going to a very large company who doesn't give them that white glove treatment that they're looking for. So we kind of can't compete with the big dogs because we can't provide what they do for large companies. So we made the decision a couple of years ago, we're not going to be able to go after American Express and get their business. They're, they would never trust us. But we can go after a small local bank or a small local credit union or a school district, what have you, and say, you know what? You can try and bring on the talent to go and put stuff on the massive cloud servers but let us help you because we're experts. We'll give you handholding and white glove treatment that you won't find anywhere else while you start your journey 
to protecting your data in the cloud. That's been successful, but we haven't gotten nearly as large as I thought we would. In what realm? What's the niche that you play in? So several verticals. Because you mentioned, you mentioned, yeah, you mentioned a couple different verticals there. Do you have a particular focus? No, we don't. Uh, the hard part about focusing, though, is the service that we offer is needed by every single company. Now, of course, they're not going to choose us. But what company doesn't have data that they need to manage? What company doesn't have data they need to have backed up? I mean, data is the lifeblood of your business. However, talking to our sales rep that we just are about to bring on, he completely understands that. He's even sold some competing products. But still, we both agree there's no way we can go after the larger companies. Or can we? That's what I need your help with. I like the thought process of the having the target on becoming one of the big guys. But I'm thinking as a sales representative, if I've got a particular product or a niche or uh, something that makes me truly unique, that's gold as a sales rep, right? Having that one key thing. And you, it can be the same as everybody else, but I've got just this little different take because there are people that, yeah, Amazon, IBM, they, they all can provide some of the same services, but they don't do this as well as you guys. That's what I'm really trying to drill down on. If I can just put a little perspective on the sales rep, just just so we get some understanding around it. This new sales rep that you're getting, does he or she have experience building out a sales structure, a sales organization, a sales pitch? Uh, he does not. So again, what I mentioned before is that our big struggle, we went through and tried to lure, uh, actually from some of our vendors and competitors, uh, sales reps with years and years of experience and a huge book to work with and a lot of experience in structure, policies, and procedures. And we were not able to attract them, even though we have a great story to tell. We have plenty of clients, great experience. You know, this isn't, you're not our first guy that we we're hiring and we're not working out of my mom's basement. So mm -hmm. we actually present ourselves very well. We've actually won some awards in the SMB space for our IT services. So we have a good story to tell compared to our, again, our rivals in the small and the SMB space. But we could not attract somebody, at least in our efforts over three months, with a lot of great sales management, sales structure, and sales process experience. So we brought in, we're bringing in a very good salesperson who's been in a structure, but really is looking for us to put together this big structure for him. And we are a little behind the eight ball and a little concerned, quite honestly, that's where I seek your wisdom at the Oracle of Mike and Scott. <laughs> well, I think you're right to be concerned. Uh, it's the reason is, is because this individual, there's almost a feel like you hope this individual will have some idea of how to do it. The reality is they probably don't. They're probably excited to experiment and give it a shot. The reality is you might not be ready for somebody to experiment on your beginning company. And so with that being stated, you will need to be that person to provide that instruction, that direction, that pitch to help them be successful. And if you can't, unfortunately, what's going to happen is when they start struggling in six months because they haven't quite figured it out yet, you are going to be looking at them and saying, you wait, you haven't figured it out. And the reality is, is they need that structure to get started to be successful within that first six months. Okay, great point then. How do I build that structure? I've been doing the sales for our company for many, many years. So in my mind, I have a great structure put together. 
And I can go out and I can sell to anybody because I've been doing this for 20 years. So you'd be hard pressed to even, I put me up against an IBM salesperson, a Microsoft salesperson, and I can outsell them. Not from a cocky point of view. I've just been doing it long before a lot of those kids were born. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) of course that ages me a little bit, but I don't have that structure. That's a missing piece. You bring up something very interesting. How do I bring on the big dog sales process when I'm just used to being out there selling and just, you know, and, uh, uh, talking about our sales process and what makes us great and buy from us. And we've gotten some clients. I don't have a structure. How do I get it? Where do I get it? That's, that's really interesting because you've been doing it for a long time, right? And a lot of the things that you do, you do because, Hey, I've, I've always done this. It, there is no, that you don't have it defined, right? So here's what I'd ask you. If I came to work for you Monday, Matt, What's the first thing, if, and I, I had sales experience, but not a lot in your industry. What's the first thing that you would want me to do Monday morning? Uh, probably meet some of our clients. I would have you talk to some of our clients so that you could ask them, why did you go with ProDatix versus somebody else? Okay. And when you talk with, meet with the clients, do you have particular individuals in mind or job responsibilities in mind or who am do I you- going to talk to? And do you have certain people you would not take them to? Uh, no, honestly, I would not. We really work hard, and it's been great for referrals, but not necessarily for massive growth. We work really hard on creating raving fans, which is a concept that came out decades ago mm-hmm. to create raving fans from your clients. So I feel comfortable bringing this new sales rep to every client that we have. However, I am almost embarrassed, and we talked about this during the interview, I'm almost embarrassed to say, we don't have a lot of structure. We have bought some lead lists. We have a, a book of existing clients, but we're really depending on you to help us create this sales structure. But I don't want to put so much pressure on the new guy that he says, hey, look, I just was just here to sell him and make a huge commission. Uh, we're not there yet. What else can I offer him to have him go, I believe in what you guys are doing. I see you've done some wonderful things. I can see the clear path to you being a Fortune 500 company. I'm a little cloudy on that right now. I'll be honest with you. Okay. So I'll go back to my question. Who do you have him call on specifically? Since we compete mostly in the uh, small business and a little bit of the medium sized business, we are dealing with owners. We're dealing with the chief technology officer, chief information officer, sometimes an office manager. So we are dealing with other like small businesses who have a, multi-role individual at the top who kind of does a little bit of everything. So we aren't competing yet. And that's where we want to go. Hence, we're living, you know, learning from you gentlemen here. We want to get to the medium size where we're actually dealing strictly with chief technology, chief information, systems admin, the geeks, if you will, the IT structure and IT staff and the CFO who, of course, approves final spending. That's who we want to be talking to. But our client list isn't big enough yet, or they aren't a large enough space to have a whole different C-level tier, a whole different IT level tier. They're just not there yet. So he will be meeting owners of companies, president of companies of these small and and small medium businesses. You have a lot of trust and a lot of faith in your sales rep, and that is awesome. One thing that Mike and I would suggest is don't take them to the big guys right away. You need to make sure that he has the experience working and understanding and just communicating with the small person and one that you have a really great relationship with. 
So if you do take him to your client, take him to one where you have a great relationship. If he says, hey, we're awesome, but let me tell you about IBM because they rock at what they do. That's You need to have that great relationship where you can pull it back and say, okay, afterwards, hey, that's great, but let's not promote the competition. Let's And so you're able to help coach through that. So before you take him to your number one uh, or even the top five, I would suggest take him to a couple smaller ones to try to work the the sales pitch out. Okay, so here's my next question, and I appreciate that, and that's true. You don't want to you don't want to throw him to the fire quite yet. So here's something else that I've been thinking about for the past month since we've hired him, and he had to finish out a lot of his contract, so he's not going to start for another couple of weeks. How do you convince the prospect? So this is me trying to teach and work with a new sales rep. And again, he has some experience, so he's not wet behind the ears. How do you convince the prospect that he'll be talking to once he's trained and he's out doing his day-to-day job? How do you convince the prospect that you can offer what the big guys offer when they perceive that you can't offer that? How does my new sales rep, how do I train him to talk to prospects and say, we can do the same thing the big guys do. And actually we can do it better because you need more handholding without, of course, saying that. Before I answer that, let's talk about a little bit about the sales cycle. Um, let's talk a little bit about where you're at because the sales cycle for smaller costs less and it's shorter time frame. And when I say shorter time frame, how long is your typical sales cycle for a small client? So our average right now, we only deal with small and some, you know, some small medium sized businesses is right around three months, uh, trying to convince people to part with their data and give you keys to their kingdom uh, because besides employees, data is the most important part of any business these days. And if and businesses aren't aware of that, then we need to talk to you. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's about three months, our average cycle from the time we meet somebody to the time they say, yep, let's go ahead and every, let's go ahead and give you our IT business. So let's take your sales rep, just, just a curiosity question. And it's really going to get into how much money are you going to float at your sales rep? If your sales rep learns for six months and then takes another three months to close, we're looking anywhere between six to nine months before that first sale is made. Now, if you have, if you turn your new sales rep onto large customers, how long would it take for a large customer sales cycle? Uh, We've actually had a few of those and they can take anywhere from six to nine months. We actually, now we have a little bit of a, a, a problem with that with COVID last year because so many businesses put things on hold. Of sure. Course. Nobody wanted to change sure. anything. But you're probably looking about six months. We have clients that we talked to six months ago who were actually referred uh, to us by one of our vendors, which of course is a, you know, you know, the, the holy grail. And still six months went by, no contact. They completely ignored us. And all of a sudden out of the blue, hey, we just pulled your proposal up. We're ready to move forward now. What? Who are you? (laughs) So uh, yeah, we're anywhere from three months on the low end to six months on the high end to bring a sale to fruition. Okay. I do want to talk about referrals as a separate piece. And I have that already listed down um, as a separate part to talk about because I think we need to take it in two different paths. One in the referral path. And because I think there's something really good that we'll uncover there. The second is going, or excuse me, the second referral. The first though, is without a referral, how long is that sales cycle? Is and there's it still the, six to nine months. There's a component in there that I want to kind of explore too. What is your contact point with that customer during that sales cycle, during that six months? Our contact point. Yeah. How often are you touching them? How often is the, the contact with them? 
So our industry, the IT services business, has a lot to do with uh, to convince the client they need to do a lot of try before you buy, a lot of testing. So someone doesn't just say, eh, let me think about it. Uh, okay, hey, here's all our data. You, you take care of all our data. <laughs> all our sensitive material. Yeah, which yeah. ultimately keeps us in business. And if you lose it, hey, you know what? We'll be out of business. I've always wanted to wax surfboards for a living. No, it, it, the whole entire time during that sales cycle, uh, you know, relatively speaking, obviously people have other things mm-hmm. going on, is uh, they look at the process. They like what we do. There's actually two stages of what we do. They ultimately like us and we convince them to give us a try. And then we set up a trial account for them in our data center. So they can send over some test data or some real data and kick the tires if we want, let it go. And they test it, make sure it backs up correctly, make sure the internet works correctly, make sure we know what we're talking about. We help them. We do some consulting with them so they can actually see that, hey, our data is working. I can access it. I can restore it. I can go through a disaster recovery scenario, which every company in the world should be doing on a regular basis. And then they finally, then they think about it, then they present it to the CFO, and then it's finally approved. So between three months on the short side and six to seven months on the long side, whether it's a referral or we hit somebody brand new, interestingly enough, there really isn't much difference in our world between a referral, although referral is more likely to actually buy after the test where somebody we meet on meet on the street, it's like, eh, I'm just trying you guys out. I'm going to go try Amazon and Microsoft also. And then they leave us, you know, 40% of the time and go somewhere <laughs> else. So that boils back to my original question. What do you guys do better than Amazon? Uh, actually cost. We compete a lot on cost because we can do what we do so much better and we can do it from a much better price. And why I say we can do it much better Probably 30% of our small uh, new customer base came to us from Amazon Web Services or Microsoft Azure or one of the big boys because Mm -hmm. they found out how extremely expensive it is once you actually start doing day-to-day data backup. And they realized that, man, we aren't setting it up correctly. We are not geared as a small or medium business to, we don't have the certifications and proficiencies to be able to handle what's required on those bigger servers. And so they come to us and we sit down with them and go through and give them that white glove VIP concierge service. We set that all up for them. We take care of it for them. We manage it for them. We almost become uh, an augmentation of their IT department, which SMBs really need in our space because they they can't necessarily afford $550,000 a year Microsoft certified engineers, which they need at their amount of data. We'll outsource to us and we'll augment for you. So do you position yourselves then as an outsourced IT department for a company? Correct. That's our main claim to fame. Is that in the messaging and everything that the sales rep presents or is that, is he talking more about uh, the services? No, he talks about, uh, we talk about, and of course I'm going to be doing most of the training. Uh, He will be talking about what separates us from the competition on a cost point of view and the enhanced services. And we, our only competition point besides price is we can give you that service that the big guys are not going to give you. When you go to our larger competitors, you are 100% on your own. The only thing their tech support will do is if something breaks, you know, you can't connect. Well, they'll fix that, but they don't help you connect. They don't help you upload and download. They don't help you set anything up. We do all that for you. So we're that mid-level company. So with that particular model, it may hurt us from going after the large businesses because all we compete there and on is price. 
But for the SMB market, we have a huge differential factor or differentiating factor on that high level of service because it's such a complex world that we deal in. We're on with Matt Bullock, the Vice President of Sales and Marketing for Prodatix. Matt, when we talk about, my favorite phrase this week is riches and niches. And it sounds, I'm, I'm sure we're having several listeners right now who are saying, wait, why are you wanting to get out of the small medium and go after the large? And so let's let, let's verify why you would want to do that because it sounds like you have positioned yourself, especially if we're talking about cost and service, we're positioning ourselves towards that small to medium sized business. The SMB business is very much um, the focal point of what we do now because of our differentiating factors. The biggest part of the small medium business, and that we've gone to our larger vendors that we buy the software from, we buy the hardware from in our data center, and we've asked them, what does, what does the SMB space really need? And the biggest thing is hand-holding uh, well above price. So although we are cheaper or more cost-effective than the big providers, uh, they really want somebody to help them set everything up. Because SMB, even though they're not Fortune 500, their data is just as important to them as it is to IBM, Microsoft, or pick your company. Uh, mm -hmm. It's just as important. So we have to sell and we are very good at selling on that point of let us handle everything for you, outsource and let us augment what you're doing right now because we know how to do it better than anybody does in this space. When we go after the larger companies, you almost have to, in our world at least, you have to prove yourself, cut your teeth, if you will, and get a wonderful, wonderful reputation on the SMB space because once that happens and something I want to talk about if we have some time is the blessing and help from vendors to help build your reputation faster than you doing it by yourself. And so once vendors sign off and once they're impressed with what we're doing on the SMB side, they'll walk us and help us walk into the bigger clients. Do you find that discussion is more effective in certain verticals? The outsourcing your IT department, basically, the, that conversation has more resonance in, say, grocery chains or auto repair. Where, where do you find that that really fits? Uh, I'm going to say there's probably four verticals, although we have clients in all different realms. And you do that as a small business owner, right? You take yeah. on anybody yeah. who wants to write you a check or give you a credit card. Uh, who's, you know, of course, who's going to be a good match. Oh, you, you take checks. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> funny enough. Most of our clients, and you know what, I, as a small business owner, I want to save the two and a half percent hit on my credit card every month for the fees we pay. So all of our clients barring 10 or 12 still pay with check. And I love them because it's two and a half percent extra revenue that I get a month, not sending it to the credit card companies. So <laughs> call me crazy, but I'll take I'll take paper checks. I'll take script. I'll take, you know, McDonald's and gift <laughs> certificates. Just don't hit me with a credit card fee. Um, our big verticals that we are very successful in, although everyone needs what we do. And a lot of business can, businesses can say that is medical because of HIPAA compliance, uh, financial because they have seven to 10 year industry requirements to hold on to data for seven to 10 years. And we're very good at what's called cold storage. Uh, you can access it for that long. Uh, we're also very big and do very well in retail because retail has such a high turnover and such a seasonal business, restaurants, uh, supermarkets, that type of thing. And we actually are getting very big in education now. School districts, because of government laws of protecting data, you can't just pop it on an external hard drive and go, right. hey, we're compliant. 
that doesn't work. So those are the four verticals we're hitting big right now, even though we've touched other verticals. Matt, I do want to divide this conversation in two sections and see if we can put a bow on the first one. And then next week, we'll talk about the second one. The bow that I want to try to put on is the expectation for your sales rep that's coming on in a couple of weeks. You have a very high expectation for your sales rep, and I'm I'm great on high expectations. I'm also very nervous with what you're expecting your sales rep to accomplish. It sounds like you would ideally love this person to be able to create this sales structure and provide some definition and to be able to, 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 to move forward. And I am nervous and I, hopefully that person's able to do that. I'm nervous though, that the expectation is a little out of kilter, if you will. And the reality is, is that sales rep is, has likely had a great career and is likely doing very well and is going to fit extremely well into your business as you have it right now. I think the space where you're at, I think that sales rep will be able to fit in. What I want to talk about next week is defining your sales process because I truly believe you have an awesome sales process in your head because you've already done it. I, I don't know that you've ever written it down. So I think next week, I think we take it through, outline what that sales process is now that we know a little bit about your business. I'm excited for next week as we dive in a little bit more and build out this sales process. All right. Well, thank you very much. So what you're saying is that too much pressure on the sales rep. Is he going to leave me in the first three months because I want him to create magic? No, I think I think expectations are completely acceptable, but I think they need to be tailored with a, a realistic aspect that they they understand. Here are the measurements, the key measurement, the key strategy points that they're going to hit along the way. Because if they've got a six-month runway to land a deal, there has to be identifiable, uh, meaningful steps along that process for both of you. So it's not you're wondering, what are you doing? You're spinning your wheels that they can report back on and have that clearly defined. That's why I was asking you, who would you take me to, to what particular name I want or not name, but job role and in what kind of niche, because I want to have measurables. I talked to these 10 people this month. I talked to this guy yesterday, just measurable things along the path. Okay. Well, based on what you're saying, I will be very nice very friendly and I will do maybe, <laughs> well, maybe, our, maybe we need to do what I, our clients like is having more handholding uh, and more expertise laid at their, you know, their feet. Maybe I need to do that more with our sales rep and not expect so much, but help him sell him on the vision and let him see the vision and let him be a part of creating the vision. That's, and I like yes. that. I like what you just said, because once I have an understanding of why I'm selling it, I've got a bigger picture. I, I think everybody does a better job. I mean, Martin Luther King stood up and said, I have a dream. He didn't say I have a plan, but he knew what his dream was. You know what the dream is, the goal is. How do you share that with the rep? And it's giving them those steps that they can hit and touch base on. Okay. On next week's episode of the Selling Podcast, we pick up right where we left off as we talk to Matt more about the business and more about the sales structure. Thanks for joining us this week. We appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me on. I learned a lot and I can't wait to learn more free of charge. <laughs> well, that's the price we like charging. <laughs> I'm owner, but I'm VP of sales and marketing. The, the point is, leave me alone until I need you. So this will be perfect yeah, they, for your <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah. Don't call us. We'll call Don't call us.